What's up, family? Welcome back to another week of Penciled In, and this week is a special week for so many reasons. The first and foremost, this week, this day, would have been my grandmother's 90th birthday today. And so even though she is no longer with us physically, she will always be with us spiritually, mentally, deep in our hearts and minds. So me, mom, happy birthday. I just still remember watching her in the kitchen making fudge and and not the fudge that where you read off the back of a label and you follow the directions. Me mom would make sure she would make the fudge on how she felt that day, right? You got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And if you didn't watch, you weren't going to catch the recipe. But what you were going to get was something special, something sweet, something to warm the heart. Something that was a gift that she brought in the world way more than just fudge. Something that just said she wanted you to have something that made you feel good. She wanted you to feel loved. And those are the things I will always remember about her and everything she did for our family. I will also remember that these are the things that we should cherish about the people we love. Make sure we spend time giving them the roses while they're here. We also realize with birthdays and celebrations, especially for those that we have lost, and how much we cherish the time we had with them. And it isn't lost on me that this week is also the anniversary of another person that we lost, unfortunately by the hands of murder, George Floyd. This is a one year anniversary of the day that he was brought to his death. And it helps me put in perspective how important, how precious life can be. And that my hope is that one day, 90th birthdays will be celebrated more often than the anniversaries of life being taken way too soon. And so I hope today's episode sheds some light on how we can avoid those situations and ensure that life is seen as the precious gift that it is, and that we find a way to celebrate, but also make sure we're being brave. And if this is your first time tuning into Penciled In, welcome. You're going to be listening to a podcast that is driven by numbers, painted by story, and refusing to allow dialogue across difference to be erased by allowing our humanity to be more than penciled in. Let's go. I think my leadership story starts with uh, being a young black man that lived in two worlds. Uh, being a young black man that lived in two worlds. This out. What's up, family? This is your host, David Hardy Jr. It is Thursday, May 27th, and welcome to Penciled In. I'm so excited for today's conversation because you are going to hear from today's first guest on Penciled In, and I can't wait for you to hear the words he has to share. As we begin our journey to take what we've learned over the past six weeks around the inequities that exist around us and apply it to solutions that can take us a little bit further to ensure that everyone around us, including ourselves, are whole, human, and more than just Penciled In. 
Let's go. In this society today, we are surrounded by the very wealth and the scientific achievements which hold forth a promise of freedom. Freedom is so near, yet at the same time, it is so far away. And this thought invokes in me the same sensation I felt as I reflected on my own condition in a jail. From my cell, I could look down upon the crowded streets of Greenwich Village, almost tasting the freedom of movement and the freedom of space, which has been taken from me and all my sisters in captivity. Our condition here and now, the condition of all of us who are brown and black and working women and men, bears a very striking similarity to the conditions of the prisoner. The wealth and the technology around us tells us that a free, humane, harmonious society lies very near. But at the same time, it is so far away because someone is holding the keys and that someone refuses to open the gates to freedom. Like the prisoner, we are locked up with the ugliness of racism and poverty and war and all the attendant mental frustrations and manipulations. We're also locked up with our dreams and visions of freedom and with the knowledge that if we only had the keys, if we could only seize them from the keeper, from the standards oil, the General Motors and all the giant corporations and of course from their protectors, the government, if we could only get our hands on those keys, we could transform these visions and the dreams into reality. Angela Davis, The Gates of Freedom, June 9th, 1972. As we begin today's show, my heart is is full in many ways and heavy in others because we're at a point in our country's history. And honestly, if we look across the globe, I, I think there's some similarities where we are in a, a phase of identifying who we are and who we can be. And in order for us to do that, there has to be a moment in which we step out and be a little bit more brave than we were the day before. And the idea of bravery made me think about a moment when I was in high school years ago. I haven't told many people this story. There was a time in which uh, there was a young man who um, was constantly picked on and was constantly afraid of interaction. And you can even see at times when you approached him with just a simple hello, he would often twitch because he wasn't sure what was going to happen to him. And I remember this one specific day. It was a beautiful day outside. We went outside for gym class. We all were around the track. And for me, gym was just a, an, uh, a place for me to be. Um, physical education was a space for me to feel whole. But that wasn't the case for everyone. And for this young man, this was also not his space. And I understood in that physical education class that there were people that often intimidated him. And because of that intimidation, he often felt the need to leave gym class right when the teacher said that we could leave and go get dressed because he didn't want anyone else around him as he was changing his clothes because there were situations where 
people took his clothes and ran and, and really embarrassed him. So it wasn't much of a surprise that given day that that was his pattern to run inside first. Except this time when he was running inside, as he was running across a, a street in which the high school juniors and seniors parked their car, a car hit him. Hit him as he was trying to cross the street and that car just kept going. Here was this human body limping, still trying to get to the locker room before other people did after just being hit by a car. And as I think of this story and as I replay it in my mind and seeing it firsthand, there was a moment in which I had a choice. I had a choice whether or not to report what I had seen because I knew the young man that was running into the locker room was not going to say anything because he was fearful of retribution or worse. I had to make a choice of whether I was going to report it for what I saw was unjust and wrong. Lo and behold, I did. And eventually that person who hit the other young man was given his consequence and so on and so forth. But it just reminds me about the difficulties that people have in this world. One being their whole self because of the impact and social pressures and insecurities of other people that are displaced on them. And for that reason, people shrink, people change, people shelter the beauty, the brilliance that lives inside of them. And then there's the other people who don't speak up for those who they visibly see taking steps to be reclusive and not enjoying life to their fullest because of the intimidation of others. And so as we go into today's conversation, it is sent around the idea of bravery and what it really means and why it is so important when I was in high school, and why it's so important here today. So I'm excited for the conversation we will have with our first special guest who will give us a firsthand account of what it means to be brave, but more importantly, or equally as important is for us to realize our individual bravery is what will create the collective change where people no longer have to fear life itself. But then there's this. There's been a lot of conversation around police reform, defunding the police, changing the way that black and brown people are viewed in America through the eyes of those that are expected to protect and serve them. A lot of this conversation has ramped up because of the anniversary of the unfortunate murder 
of George Floyd. And the reality of the situation, it shouldn't take unfortunate death for us to realize that we need to do better by humans. There's still trepidation to do right by humans. But I digress. Where this conversation has led is a lot of additional pressure and conversations that have been put on the president to act and and push Congress to think about adopting the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021. Now, mind you, for those that are out there listening, for any bill to pass, it it first has to be introduced by one of the chambers of Congress, whether it's House or Senate. And in this case, this bill has been introduced in the House. It was introduced actually last year in 2020. It had passed, but then unfortunately died because of a overwhelming rebuke of the bill by the Senate in 2020 that was majority Republican at the time. And so now that it's been reintroduced, it again has passed, which has created a lot of excitement for those that think that we now are going to have that full reform that we're looking for. But we must first wait because it has only passed one chamber of the House and now has to move over to the Senate. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because as I looked at the comparison of the two bills from 2020 to 2021, there are some omissions in the 2021 bill that are no longer in the 2020 bill. And still, there were very few people across party lines who voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. To the point, as I did a little bit more research and looked at the actual roll call for the bill and how it actually passed, I see that the numbers are directly aligned to party lines in the House. When we look at this bill, we see that the vote came down to 220 House of Representative members who voted yes and 212 who said no. And the interesting part about this, when we look about who said yes, we see that out of the 220 votes, 219 of them were Democrat. So easy math would say there was only one Republican that voted for reform. One. And get this, as I looked even further on who that one Republican was, I looked up his name and he actually went out on Twitter to say that actually he hit the button by accident. So in reality, there were zero Republicans that voted for this bill to reform the way that we are protected and served. And as I look into this bill a little bit further and I seek to understand the nuances of this bill and what makes people create some pause, there are some tenants in there from a person of color's perspective that I think are so very important, not just for people of color, but for anyone who is in fear of their own existence in a country that has shown them reasons why. So as I look at the table of contents of this bill, see that there's a a push to think about police accountability differently. And in a few weeks, we're going to hear from a former law enforcement officer who speaks directly about the importance of police accountability and the lack thereof that exists. There's additional conversations within the elements of this bill that talks about wanting more police transparency through data, ensuring that there's improved police training and policies, the prohibition of racial profiling, 
the notion that we have to think differently about how we approach the regulations in which individuals police, ensuring that police cameras and accountability are go hand in hand, ensure that all of our officers are held accountable for their actions, but more importantly, are provided the support necessary to take care of the people around us versus creating more challenges that unfortunately happen way too often for us to bear as people. And this again, I feel like if I am sitting in the shoes of a police officer, or I'm sitting in the shoes of a member of that union, I would hope there's some understanding that this is less about the individuals being caught doing something wrong and more about figuring out ways for us to do things right. We're going to step forward as a country. It is my humble opinion that we have to step forward together. We have to force this conversation and understanding that this is a collective effort to see our humanity. To do that, it may just mean stepping across party lines. It may just mean being a little bit more brave. Could you imagine a world in which only half of something happened? Can you just think of the pictures and images of things that were only halfway done? Could you imagine trying to bake a cake with half the ingredients and how that would turn out? Could you imagine trying to drive a car with only half the number of wheels on it? Could you imagine a world where so many people are only able to live up to half of what they're capable of? Because the other half goes unseen. These lived realities sit front and center as we look at this bit of reform. It forces us to look in the mirror and really ask this moral question. What do we really value? What is it that drives our existence in this country? And how do we get more people to see us for who we are versus what they might be afraid of. A lot of that stems from the importance of bravery. You don't have to hear anything about bravery from me, but I want you to listen in to our next guest, our first guest on Penciled In. Hello, this is day two of Christian Beyond Podcast on Penciled In. And 75% of my family are liking this video. And okay, what should we talk about? So I decided to bring in an expert really talk about, on like, bravery. And when you think about experts and you think about people who are brave, okay, you so often think about the big names I and the celebrities. With my mom and dad, 
But I don't think there's a bigger celebrity than the voice you're about to hear when it comes to bravery. And also, let's see what he has to say. I um I go get some treats with my dad like about um um two days ago. I got so many treats. Oh, and also on Easter. Yeah, I got so many treats on Easter. He rambled. I got like I got like I got like uh and I, he rambled. And I played with my friend. His name is Ben and we had fun. Um we go in his backyard and we played some soccer and stuff. And and um oh and also um we played basketball in my And backyard. he rambled some more. Like twenty five treats. That was like the best day of my life. Oh, it's Halloween's the best day of my life. He's very nice. And he rambled oh, some she's more. Still crying a lot, and she's a few months old, like one or two, and she is like so cute. They actually um there was a male and one. He even and touched there was on female. the then, birds um, and the bees. Love. Then they um had a baby actually. Wait, what? But then there was a point where he brought his expertise. What do you want to say? Okay. All right, so I have some questions for you, sir. So we're going to talk about bravery today. And we're going to talk about what it means to be brave. Way too often, we think we have all the answers. Being brave mean to you. The answers lie right in the minds and hearts of our kids. Uh, it means a lot. So be brave. Like, say, like, there was a bully. And so that's one of the reasons that you can be ready to stand up to the bully and mostly be brave. Okay. And this is where it gets good. If you he gives us a PhD level a answer tell, tell us what to what it means to stand up, up to for something. Stand up for something that is right. Actually, I stood up to the bully before, and I uh, he, it was he was bullying somebody else, and um, I helped the person. Then um, then I said it's not being mean. Then after that, um, then after that, like um, like three days later, he um said sorry to the other guy. Um, then um, me and him became became friend, friends. Wow, you became friends. So how did you? I know, I know. He's my son, so I might be biased, but it's really dropping some wisdom on us, y'all. Uh, to be nice to other people, and you should, um, really not bully people. Gotcha. Okay. So, now I want you to close your eyes for a second, and everyone out there, I want you to do the same. With your eyes closed, I want you to imagine a world... Where everyone is being brave. And you would think at his age, he would think being brave is a superhero of some sort or some attacking of the monsters or something that he saw in Minecraft. But listen to what he, he said. If everyone in the world is brave, what do you see? I see happiness. I see happiness and... Um, also, a lot of people are being nice because people are brave. And, like, if there was a bully, um, people could be brave to the bully. Mm. 
I love that answer. And so I want you to think about this. In this world, if everyone's brave and you said, you know, if someone's not being brave, there's probably a reason for it. What do you think stops people from being brave? Actually, that's a good question. Um, To, like, if they, like, don't believe in themselves that they can be brave, uh, you don't have to be afraid. And um, you can just... You can just try to be brave, and yeah, always be brave. Stand up. Um, if if um people are being mean to you, and always be brave, and always trust yourself. who needs to hear this this week but today is your day now you've probably heard that saying a number of times and maybe even a number of different ways but here's what I mean by today is your day every single moment we have we often think about what we need to do tomorrow or what happened yesterday or You know, maybe I'll get to that after I finish this degree or after I'm able to reach these group of kids or be able to convince my boss or have influence at my local hospital or church. And often creating excuses for ourselves for reasons why we can't do something today. I say all this because I was sitting in my office trying to get some work done and realized that I needed to get up and exercise and I've struggled during this pandemic really to keep myself going and and making sure that I'm taking care of myself. And I said, you know what? You know, tomorrow I'll work out. Tomorrow I'll get back on the bike. Tomorrow I'll lift weights. Then I came to realize that my body didn't feel good today. So for me to wait till tomorrow does my body an injustice. And so I say that to say too often we do that to ourselves. And so let's change that. Let's change that starting today and do what you need to make yourself great. But I'm here to tell you today that more than ever is an opportunity for you to be great, to find your space, to claim your space and move forward so that this world is a little bit better tomorrow because of what you've done today. So for what it's worth, today is your day. Use it. Create your space. I'm just feeling so good after today's episode, knowing that we're hearing the youngest voices giving us wisdom as adults to think about how we can make this world a little bit better, a little bit more equitable, a little bit more human. And the best part of that is we're finding more ways and solutions to make sure that we go beyond being just penciled in. See you next week. Wait, 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 before you go, here's a sneak peek of next week's episode with one of the best pediatric neurologists in the country. He's gonna talk to us about how health disparities play out in hospital systems across the country. There's there's always been healthcare disparities, even before COVID. I think COVID has really opened other people's eyes to that disparity that we've known as healthcare providers that's always existed. But unfortunately, the pandemic has kind of exposed it even more. See you next week.